Hello, once this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining me the show this week, as ever, from the Devil of Detail, we've got Paul Whiteside looking to talk all things sport in Salford. Paul? Yeah, looking forward to it, Rob. Yeah, I think I've missed a couple of shows, haven't I? So it's good to be back, good to be back talking all things uh, sport in the city. And uh, there's been a lot going on, hasn't there, with the start of the football season as well, rugby league, Olympics. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting all about it. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, lots to talk about. I think we're going to start with Olympics, aren't we, Paul? Yeah, we certainly are, Rob. It's coming to a conclusion now, excuse me, over the weekend. And uh, how, how did the uh, the medal table end, Rob? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, great. It was a great Olympic Games in Tokyo for Great Britain and Ireland. They ended up with 65 uh, medals, uh, Paul. 22 gold, 21 silver and 22 bronze. Uh, great, um, you know, med- medal tally for the team will be pleased with that they matched uh, the medal tally they got in 2012 and finished I think fifth in the whole medal table behind uh, USA, China, Japan and Russia so when you compare the sizes of all them countries and, and the people who are eligible to, to, to sort of compete in them sports uh, for Little Britain uh, 65 it is a fantastic tournament and I think when you look back at it as well uh, you know with the National Lottery fund, you know sponsoring it and funding it you know every time you put a put a put a, a number on it helps you know these athletes achieve greatness don't forget to, to gamble responsibly when you do the, the National Lottery because you don't always win all the time but when you do your bit it helps the athletes uh, achieve greatness which is what they've done uh, in this uh, Olympic Games yeah, they certainly have. I think you, you you can only sort of re- keep reiterating that about the size of the of the country, really, or the countries that qualify for for Britain. Um, you know, considering some of those other countries that you've named there, the size of us, we're we're a drop in the ocean to those, aren't they? So it's mm. an incredible achievement. And and yeah, like we say, the lottery fund I think goes a long way, doesn't it, to providing sports facilities in this country and helping us, you know, modernise those, which I think we have done over the last decade or so, haven't we? Particularly since the the, the 2012 London Games. So uh, so yeah, it's been it's been great. Who's been the best performer of the games for you? You know, from from a British perspective. Yeah, people that stood out for me, Matt Whitlock in the, on the pommel horse, he got his gold. Charlotte Wormsman on the BMX. Uh, Tom Daly got his gold uh, with Matt Lee in the synchronised diving. And Adam Peaty in the breaststroke uh, was, was phenomenal. Uh, he got his gold medal as well. But all the athletes who put time in, into competing, you know, four years of hard work and sweat, blood and tears to get them on the uh, the podium at the end, uh, it, makes it, it makes it all worth it, Paul. And it's great that they've obviously been able to get to Tokyo with everything going on with the pandemic in the world and uh, you know to get that gold medal around the net will be a brilliant thing for them yeah it certainly was it certainly was there was no goals in the, the tracker field I mean that's quite a big big event aren't they on track and field so a bit, bit disappointing there Rob but that's something we've probably got to improve on for, uh, for, the, for the next games in four years time through, well three or four years time yeah, when you when you look back, Paul, you know all the Olympic Christies, Sally Gunnels, uh, you know track was our strong point. So not to get any this time round is a bit of a blow, really. Questions probably will be asked um, in that part of the athletics, uh, you know, field and, and and decide where to go next. But I'm sure they'll come back stronger. I think in Paris next time, uh, and we'll be hopefully celebrating more golds uh, there. But obviously not having fans in in the stadium in Tokyo was a bit of a blow. You're hoping that you know next time round the next Olympics it'll be different and you'll get that atmosphere. I think with the Olympic Games, Paul, it's all about uh, the community and you know both the community in the in the athletics 
sort of field, off the field as well. You know, everyone gets together and supports each other. That's not been able to happen with, with the COVID situation. So that that's going to put a different spin on on how the the athletes have experienced it, as well as no fans in the stadium and no you know excitement off the off the field. It, it's kind of a, been miss a big miss in the Olympics, but we've been able to watch it on the telly, which which is the next best thing. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the organisers and all the people involved with organising it over in Tokyo and the athletes and sort of the coaches and everybody that comes part of the teams and everybody involved really, I think, deserves a massive pat on the back because to be able to do something logistically the size of that with what's been going on in the world, I think it's been a, been a tremendous achievement. I mean, it's gone, it's been done with with, with not many flaws really at all. As it's, mm. it's gone, it's ran really well. I wouldn't say work like clockwork, but it's... Uh, they, they performed a bit of a miracle there, haven't they, to get that done with the state of the world has been in the last sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, I think you're right there, Paul. You know, there wasn't many COVID, uh, you know, positive tests out of the Olympics. And that kind of shows that, you know, when done properly, it, you know, sport can continue through this pandemic. I know there's been problems in football and rugby league. And these athletes, don't forget, they haven't got a massive amount of funding compared to the bigger sports. So mostly it's coming out of their own pockets and they've had to work harder and, and longer. And it's great. I think it's great they managed to get through it, Paul. Uh, and I'm sure they'll be they're primed and ready for the next one it comes along. Yeah, I think the athletes as well have made an awful lot of sacrifices, haven't they? You know, to, to stay sort of virus-free. They've probably not been able to go gallivanting and doing what they would have done in a normal Olympics and sightseeing and things like that. So I think for them to get through it, and and the sacrifices they've done, I think it's been tremendous for them. And uh, let's hope they can celebrate when they come home with with the families and what have you. Yeah, I think as obviously not been able to watch it, Paul. With your families, it is a blow. Uh, but like I said, they'll come home, won't they, and, and and be able to celebrate with the loved ones, which is the most important thing because this these Olympic games and, and many Olympic games change people's lives, don't they? And you're hoping it'll be more of the same this time around. Yeah, and let's hope it's inspired lots and lots of young people to take up sports because there's been a lot of new sports in the Olympics this time. And I know my, my children have been fascinated by some of the sports on there. And, and that's what it's all about, getting people involved in sport from a young age. And uh, I'm sure the Olympics will continue to inspire people in the future. Yeah, like BMX, BMX, skateboarding. That was That's a leisure activity, Paul. Uh, but now it's Olympic Games. I think if it was a sport back in the, the glory days when we were kids, we'd probably been you know knocking on the door for a gold medal. <laughs> you speak for yourself there Rob I'm not much cop on a skateboard <laughs> but it is mad it is mad how, how they've been able to like you know bring them sports into into the Olympic Games and it, and it kind of like entices more people and like you say kids get inspired don't they because obviously with the the world the way it is now with computer games and internet it's hard to get them out into it and, and enjoying so if they see athletes you know, doing magical things on BMXs and skateboards inspires them to go out and have and have fun and exercise. It's only be a good thing, won't it? Certainly, certainly. I think the Olympics is an amazing spectacle, and um, yeah, looking forward to the next. Obviously, we've got the Commonwealth Games coming up before that, and World Championships and things like that. But it's, it's fantastic. It's great that it's televised as well, so people can watch it. And I'm looking forward to the next event. Yeah. So that's our Olympics chat, and we're going to do uh, ice hockey now, Paul. Yeah, we certainly are. I mean, we were uh, we were excited about the ice hockey last week, wasn't we? Chatting about that. Manchester Storm's fixtures were released this week, and um, how did they go, Rob? What are they, the standout games for you, and where's it all kick off? Yeah, super excited about uh, the Manchester Storm uh, fixture list that's come out this week. Uh, the first league game 
at home is on the 3rd of October where they face Nottingham. Uh, the week before in the Cup, they play Sheffield at home on the 25th September. Sheffield are the main kind of derby uh, for Manchester Storm. So that'll be one uh, to, to look out for. Um, also, Boxing Day against Guildford. Boxing Day for sport is always a good thing. Uh, loads of sport going on Boxing Day. Just make sure you get a chance to get down to the, the Storm shelter and... and turn up for that one. Guildford will be a big challenge for Manchester Star, but I'm sure uh, they'll be ready and, and waiting for them then. And then Cardiff, it will be the last game of the season on the 10th of April, uh, Paul. Um, and it could be a moment there. We have to win that one to, to get into a playoff. So every game has, has something on it, Paul. And the Manchester Storm fans have waited a long time, haven't they, to get back in the the, the Storm shelter in Altrincham. Uh, and hopefully the uh, Manchester Storm uh, with Ryan Finity can, uh, can pick up uh, more players and more wins. Uh, and we'll be celebrating in uh, come April, May. Yeah, some mouth-watering fixtures there. I mean, could they not have um, organised a more local one for Boxing Day? Because tra- traditionally, <laughs> the Boxing Day should be Derby, shouldn't they? But Guildford's quite quite a long way away. But, uh, you know, these things happen, don't they? They've added two more players to the squad this, this week. Rob, can you give us a heads up on that? Yeah, uh, Ben Wilson, uh, he's signed a defender, experienced uh, player over 500 games um, to his roster. Uh, that's what Manchester Storm need. Um, they, they need experience in that defensive area and he'll bring that, uh, Paul. Curtis Hamilton, uh, he, he's come in as well uh, for the Manchester Storm. He's a forward. Uh, I've always said that Manchester Storm, uh, if he can get people to, who can score goals, that'll make a big difference for them. And Ryan Finney bringing uh, Curtis in. Uh, we'll we'll hopefully be looking at him to to make that extra bit uh, of uh, excitement on the eyes because that's what it's all about. You can defend well, but also you need players who can score. Yeah, what what can the Manchester Storm supporters? What what will their expect? Without me being an ice hockey expert, what would their ex- expectations be for this season? Uh, you know, is it is it a shot for the title or is it sort of mid table or, or what would they be looking for? I think I think looking at that team, uh, Paul, you're looking at playoffs. I think there's a definite possibility this team can be pushing for a playoff spot they've got some great players in 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 that in that side and they work hard for each other last season with a mini the mini league they set up through, through the pandemic they competed every week and and I'm sure Ryan Finney with the squad that is putting together today today and and for the rest of the season we'll be looking at that squad and thinking I've got players here who can make a difference in these tight contests when you just need something magical these players can come and find it and that and that's the important thing and, and when obviously Manchester Storm fans who are listening into this and thinking, you know, why, why should I go down to Manchester Stone? What am I missing? I'll tell you what you're missing. You're missing a fantastic uh, atmosphere. You're missing a great family night out. You're missing magical sport. You're missing athletes who are primed uh, and also what doing it on ice, which is, well, it's another magical thing. Obviously, these ice hockey players are big units. They're big, strong, but also be able to so be so delicate and glide around the ice. Uh, it's, it's a sight to see. Uh, so it's definitely worth getting down there to uh, Altrincham uh, and the Storm Shelter. It's great to get, you know, great music and atmosphere. And it, it's a, definitely a family-orientated sport. And I'm hoping, like I say, they get a, get off to a good start. The crowds will come in uh, and it'll be even bigger and better uh, from, from last year. Just going back to that, that sort of family sort of sport, that's how I sort of envisage ice hockey, really, Rob. Do, do Manchester Storm do offers like for families and, and tickets like that, you know, just to entice people in? Because it always looks really exciting. They play sort of Saturdays, don't they? Tea time games, Saturday, Sundays. Yeah. Do they do plenty of offers for, for kids and things like that? Yeah, keep your eyes open for all kinds of offers down the down the Storm Shelter. They're very good on social media, always putting it out there. And, and if obviously you're wondering how, how, to, how to get involved in that, you, you contact Manchester Storm there and they'll do that and they'll 
they'll show you what you can do. Even if you're novice and you're coming into this sport cold like I did, it's quite easy to, to pick up when you go down to the storm shelter. So, you know, get yourselves down there in, in the off-season for the rugby. Uh, and if you can't get to Old Trafford or, or Moor Lane, get yourself down to Altrincham and support uh, Manchester Storm. And it's pretty easy to get to, Rob. It's right in the sort of centre of Altrincham. There's plenty of parking and it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty friendly really, isn't it? It is, it is, and a great bunch down there as well. Players are very approachable, and that, and that's an important thing, obviously, with sport these days, Paul. You know, athletes, that sometimes they're a bit shy, aren't they? But all the Manchester Storm lads, very approachable. You know, we'll give autographs, we'll give pictures. Well, that was pre-pandemic, we'll have to see what happens now. But as a club, they're very, very good with new supporters and, and old supporters alike. So you're hoping that's going to continue into this season. We wish them all the best for a successful season, Rob. It sounds sounds great. Can't wait for that to start. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. We'll be talking all about it on the Sports Zone on our Salford City Radio. What we'll do now, Paul, let's talk football now on Salford City FC. They drew 1-0 with Leighton Orient. Good result for the first uh, game of the season. Yeah, I think, you know, avoiding defeat on the first game of the season, you do tend to see some some strange scores, don't you, when the football season kicks off. A lot of excitement, teams getting promoted and teams starting in new leagues and that. So I think, you know, Gary Bowie will be pretty chuffed with that result, won't he, against Leighton Orient. Obviously, we liked three points, but it's a really long season, particularly in the league that Salford are in, where you play 46 games and plus all the cup games that they play as well and the various cup competitions. So it's a long, long season, isn't it? And uh, yeah, to get off to, uh, you know, to get some points on the board, I think that's the, that's the main thing. Yeah, Leighton Orient took the lead, but there was a wonder goal uh, from Matty Wilcock. Have you, have you seen it, Paul? Edge of the box, opens his body up and wraps it into the top corner from fully 30 yards out. What a goal and what a player in Salford City. We'll be looking for more of that for him in this season. I've seen, yeah, tremendous goal, Robin. Uh, you know, first game of the season, you talked about goal of the season contenders. Well, that's mm. going to take some beating. That one, that was a fantastic shot and, you know, great strike. And uh, it looks like they've got themselves a real good player there and he'll be open to bag a few more this season. Yeah. Uh, Gary Bow, you reacted to the, to the, the one hour draw against Leighton Orient. This is what you had to say. Gaffer, that's pre-season finished with. Uh, we'll start off with an overarching view. How have you found the uh, first four weeks or so with the lads? Uh, I think overall it's been a really good pre-season for us. I think um, the programme that we put together really tested us and stretched us in, in the games. Um, but from a physical point of view, it's been really good. It's been um, a well-detailed program that the lads have had, and um, you can see that they're fit. And I'm delighted the pre-season's over now and can get ready for the real stuff. Yeah, this time next week uh, that'll all be done and dusted. Um, back to today, what what can you take from today? I thought today was a great, obviously a great test. They've um, you know they played in the playoff final um, recently in in League One, so we knew again it would be. You know, a tough test for us, which it was, and we didn't start the game particularly well, and uh, giving away, you know, the penalty. But it was great for us to see how we would react from that, um, and and certainly in front of our own fans as well. And I was pleased with how we went around it. Um, Conor McElhenney then has a, a great run and showed you what he's going to bring this season to us, um, producing a good save from them. And then, the, like I said, we had uh, Brandon's free kick. Which you know he hit the ball last year with it, and he's he's taken off again this year with the same sort of accuracy. So that's going to be a big weapon for us as well. So pleased with 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 like to say the 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 effort from the players. Um, 
we were a little bit loose today uh, with the ball, but that's something for us to build on and work for going forward. We got uh, another glimpse as well that uh, young Kelly uh, came on <laughs> and I uh, think he uh, rather bamboozled some of those Lincoln players. No, listen, he's, um, he's, he's caught the imagination of everybody within a week, hasn't he? Um, he's only 17, but he's a, he's a fantastic lad and he's got a, an unbelievable smile that... Uh, you know, it's infectious and, uh, you know, he, he can play as well. So we're going to have to look after him, of, of course. But, um, you know, he, he's, he's settled into the group very well in just this short period of time and uh, gives us another attacking option for sure. So, Gary Bowie there, Paul, talking about the one-all draw against Leighton Orient. He said it was quite an entertaining game and he thought the players reacted well after going down 1-0 early. Yeah, well, that's that's what what you can ask your players, and it shows character to come back into the game. Like I said before, they'd be disappointed not to have got the three points being at home. But you know, it's a, going one nil down, coming back, bouncing back. Then it's it's a marathon, not a sprint, as we said before. The amount of games that you play in that league, and Gary Bowie is quite an experienced manager, isn't he? Up and down the leagues, and uh, he'll be able to bring that to Salford this time. They've got ambitions, haven't they, this season? And it's going to be a really exciting exciting journey for them. We've got some big derby games in the, the league that they're in, haven't they, as well? You know, lots of Rochdale and Oldham are down there, aren't they? So in, in that division. So it's going to be exciting for them. Some big sides in there as well, and uh, they're going to get some good crowds at Moor Lane and have some good days, I'm sure. Yeah, you talked about how in the second half how much pressure they put on uh, Leighton Orient's defence. Didn't sort of get that second goal, Paul, but shows that they can push teams and that's the important thing in this division you're creating chances and hopefully next time they'll uh, they'll can they'll score and end up with the three points yeah late and orient and old mugs they? they've been been around the the football league for for a very long time haven't they and always a tough side to beat away from home as well so so yeah it's no mean feat that that result for them and i'm sure salford will improve as the season goes on They've got. I think they're in cup action this week. Is the league cup start? So uh, that'll be a break from the league. But actually, so it's a really long season, and uh, they'll, they'll have their own ambitions. Gary Boy will have ambitions this season to to have success at Salford, and I think they've got a really good chance of promotion this time. Yeah, Derby County in the, in the league cup, uh, Paul away. Uh, tough, ch- tough game really, but Derby out in the best of places. I know Wayne Rooney talking about new players, but didn't get any in by the sound of it. No, I think he's under a bit of pressure there, isn't he, at Derby County? They're, they're a club with an awful lot of expectation, aren't they? Playing a big stadium there, they've got a big sort of support base behind them, haven't they? There's a lot of history at Derby, isn't there? They've got a fantastic history of that club, and uh, you know they, they've not been in the top flight for a while, and have they in the, in the Premiership? So, uh, so they've got a bit of expectation on their shoulders. So, Salford going there in the in the cup, then you could spring a surprise there because you don't know how Derby County are going to pro- approach that game. Rest a couple of players and, and Salford could have a good night there and, and get the result. The pressure's going to be on Derby, there's no doubt about that. Salford are going to go there, you know, the underdogs in the game, you know, take the shackles off a bit, play a bit of football, and you, you never know, they could get a result. Is is the League Cup important, Paul? Obviously, with a new season, Salford City are looking at going up that upper league and, and competing week out. How important is it that they, that they get a good cut run as well? I think all the competitions are important, Rob, uh, for, for teams like Salford in the, in the lower leagues. They, they are for any side, but in the lower leagues, you're always looking for that big payday, you know, that big day out, and, and you know, you get a decent cup run, and you attract, the, you, you can get a good side and the draw away from home, and that's the excitement. That's what sort of builds the builds your crowd up, doesn't it? And that, you know, say they get drawn against United or something like that, it'd be tremendous for the club, wasn't it? So you've always got that. 
know, that chance when you're in the cup. And don't forget, in, in Salford's league, they also play in the uh, is it the paint trophy they play yep. for as well. It used to be the paint trophy, didn't it? So that, that's a, a day out at Wembley. You know, if you, if you can get to the final of that, and I think Salford have, have been to the final, haven't they? Uh, was it last season, the season yep. before? So they'll know all about those big days, and that's what our supporters crave, don't they? So yeah, I think the the, the cup competitions add to the excitement of the season, don't they? And the supporters will be looking forward to that. I know there's probably people who watch Salford who've never been to to some of these grounds before, you know, Salford not been in the football league that long. So a trip to Derby, you know, in a, a big, big stadium like that's going to be uh, going to really whet the appetite. Yeah, I think cup runs are important, Paul. They've got one, obviously one eye on the league, one eye on the cup, but I think winning like or competing in a cup gives teams a good mentality because obviously these teams that go do well in cup competitions can then go at extra level when needed in in the league because obviously with the league there is moments in there in seasons where you've got to win a game or you've got to score a goal and if you can go into a cup competition and be a good cup side it can help yeah of course it can yeah and it's all about confidence as well and you know you get onto to winning runs as well it breeds confidence doesn't it and excitement so I, I would definitely say this 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 game at Derby is an important one this this sort of time in the season. But the, the bread and butter, obviously, for Salford and is going to be the league this season. They they've got ambitions there at that club and they they want to get out of that sort of fourth tier of English football and start moving up the leagues if they can. And uh, that's where that's where the money is, isn't it? That's where all the teams want to be. So their bread and butter is going to be league matches this season, particularly at Moor Lane. They want to make Moor Lane a fortress, won't they? And, and win the home game. So uh, so yeah, but the Derby County game will be a big game. But I think it's, it's Sutton United they play at home and. You know, my football knowledge isn't tremendous, but I think Sutton are a fairly new side. Were they promoted last season from the uh, from the conference? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's going to be important, Paul. Look, looking at the obviously Salford City, they had a very good home record last year, and obviously a draw in the first game against Leighton Orient. I think they need to keep that mentality strong at home because all good sides have. A strong home record. And we look through the you know the history of all the other football clubs um, who are competing and winning stuff. Very strong at home. So Salford can carry on that unbeaten run at home. Keep build another one, maybe pick a few more wins up on the way. Only benefits from moving forward. Yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does. They need a good start, don't they? There's no doubt about that. You need a good start to build confidence, don't you? And, you know, football's like any other sport. You, you lose matches and pressure builds, doesn't it? So you can keep winning your games and keep a smile on players' faces. And, and Gary Boy, you can keep that squad happy. Then, uh, then they've got every chance of success this year. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Man United, uh, Paul. They had their final pre-season uh, game. Uh, they beat Everton 4-0 at Old Trafford. Uh, James Greenwood, Bruno Fernandes, Dillo Dalot and Harry Maguire amongst the goal scorers. Uh, comprehensive victory for Manchester United. All going to Solskjaer will be happy uh, that they got a good win there going into the season. Well, yeah, it sounds like a regulation win, doesn't it? Really, I mean, Everton and no mugs. I'm not sure what's, what side they put out. You probably better tell me that. But 4 0 against another Premier League team, you know, is, is a good result. And that's going to give them an awful lot of confidence going into the first game. Um, this this weekend coming up, you know, Leeds United. I thought Leeds were, were great last season in the Premiership. You know, they, they came up, didn't they? And, um, you know, a, a lot of people expect the, the sides that come up to struggle, really. But they didn't. They seemed to to take to the Premier League really, really well, didn't they? They, they? they read a bit of a crest of a wave, really, and had a, had a decent finish to the, to the season. So we know what they're, they're like. Leeds are a big club, aren't they? Big support behind them. And the Leeds and Manchester United game is... Um, it's always quite a fiercely contested game, isn't it, between those two? There's quite a lot of rivalry there, isn't it? So, so United beating Everton 4-0, I think they've had a decent pre-season from what I've seen. And, um, 
they'll be looking to take that into this the season now. Obviously, Manchester City are the, are the side to beat, aren't they? But you know, I don't think there's that much expectation on Manchester United to overturn Manchester City. But that could be a good thing that that, that comes in Manchester United's favour. They're not under so much pressure, and perhaps they can. Uh, they can just play a, a sort of pressure-free game, really, and um, you know that could work in their favour. Yeah, looking at that Man United squad, uh, Paul, what, what do you think of, of all his chances this season? Obviously, uh, you know we've invested quite heavily uh, with Sancho, uh, brought brought him in for mega money. Does that kind of change the mentality of of what we think Man United should produce? Obviously, Man United being Man United, you think. You know we should be competing on all fronts, uh, but we haven't been able to last few years due to you know the squad not being up to standard in my opinion. But what's what's your view on it? Do you think this is a, a turning point in Ollie's run? Well, as you mentioned there, those sort of big big name signings it'll raise the expectation of supporters, won't they? They they see the big money being spent and they start to think well, we need to be competing with the with the size at the top of the league. I think it's very very difficult to. To, to, to fight on all fronts, you know, Manchester City have found that they've probably got one of the biggest squads in in the world, haven't they? Particularly in this country, and they found it difficult to to, to compete in sort of all four major competitions. So that's going to be difficult. But I think for Manchester United and their supporters, they want to see a, a good performance in the Premier League, don't they? Um, I think, as I said before, it's the bread and butter of this this country, and uh, United have not really been at that that level for a few years. I, mean, I think. If you ask the average Manchester United support, they want them to do well in the league, and uh, you know anything else after that, so it's a bonus, isn't it? So they've got a good squad there, and I don't think anyone's going to be expecting them to to go and win the title, but you know you just want them to be in that contention, don't you, and be up there, you know, challenging for Europe and things like that. So I can see that happening. I think they've got a strong squad there. They've been impressive in pre-season. I think if they can, you know, start the season well, you know, start the season, win a couple of games there, and and you can build momentum, can't you? Ollie's a decent manager. And if they can get a good start to the season, then you take some stopping then, don't you? And before you know it, it's Christmas time and you're up there in the top sort of two or three of the league. And then, you know, your confidence is, is, is through the roof then. So anything can happen. I think you're right there, Paul. I think when you look at the Man United squad, areas that were of concern, centre-half, and they fixed that with, with signing uh, Vianney. They've got a centre-forward now in, in Sancho, who will hopefully deliver because obviously we've been a bit shot shy in front of goal even though we have some quality centre forwards who can bag but in crucial moments we're not being able to the only area of concern for me yet to be fixed is that centre midfield position you've got Fred you've got McTominay and you've got Matic none of them for me are good enough to be a in a Champions League Premier League winning side you know I wait to be proved wrong if they do prove me wrong that'd be fantastic but when I look at that team and I look at that area of the field, too many teams dominate Man United. Too many teams are able to recycle the ball and keep the ball better than we can, which is a big problem when you're facing the likes of Man City and Liverpool and Chelsea because they have players who are technically better in that area. So that is an area for me that I think Collie should be looking at uh, as the transfer window looks like it's going to be shortened shortly. He should be in that in and around the market looking for a defensive midfield player uh, to the partner the likes of Pogba yeah, if they don't get one now it'll be it'll be January won't it before they can get one if they, if they don't get there before the window shuts but uh, mm. well, no as I say it's all about the start for Manchester United they need to get a result against Leeds really don't they and uh, that's going to be a tough game for them I think Leeds are going to raise the game for that as I mentioned before the rivalry between the two sides they're going to be a lot of emotion there from, uh, from Leeds isn't there so it's going to be a tough start to the season no doubt about that 
Yeah, let's talk about Man City. They were in Charity Shield action. Uh, they went down 1-0 uh, to Leicester City. Penalty in, in the last uh, minute, uh, Paul of normal time, gave Leicester another trophy in the last uh, 12 months. Two in, what, three months or something for, for Leicester City? Yeah, I mean, that's tremendous for, for Leicester. I mean, disappointing for Manchester City. We were just talking off air before, weren't we, about the, you know, the Champions League final and and now the, uh, the the charity shield as well. They've not scored a goal in either of those games, have they? And been disappointing, really. I mean, when you think about the the riches that Manchester City have got and the squad that they've got, and they've just added a, you know, Jack Grealish to that as well, who's who's cost them an awful lot of money. And you know, to not to not score a goal and not really threaten that much, uh, I think you'll be be really disappointed. And uh, you know, it's one game though. You know, it's one game and there's an awful lot long long way to go this season. But on a big occasion like that, you'd expect him to, to perform a bit better than that, I thought. And it was a bit bit of a disappointing display. It was. It was, Paul, but how how much does the charity shield matter in the in a bigger picture? Obviously Man City have a have a proud record in the charity shield that they've won it a lot. But in the in the sort of the main picture, does it really affect anything going forward? Well, you say that, and I think if you were to ask sort of the average supporter who won the Charity Shield in such a season, they'd probably struggle to remember it. Whereas yeah. if you ask somebody about the FA Cup or the Champions League, you can you can rattle it off your off your tongue, can't you? So it's probably not the one that people go searching for. But it's still a game, isn't it? It's still at Wembley, and you know, don't take anything away from Leicester. They got the result and they lifted the trophy. But no, I think if you ask most Manchester City supporters, what would you rather win? They'd be looking at the Champions League, the Premier League, and things like that. But if you ask a player, Professionals, they want to win every game, don't they? So uh, they'll be disappointed they, they, they've lost that game. But as I say, it's a sort of a curtain raiser to the season. What City have got to do is learn lessons from that and, and look at it and, and, and sort of break it down and think, how did that game go wrong? Where did we go wrong? What do we need to do? You know, are they a bit shot shot? You know, Manchester City are very technically tremendous sometimes, but for me, they try and walk the ball in the net a bit too much. You've got to be a bit more direct, perhaps a bit more adventurous. You know, they've got the players there, haven't they? We've just signed a guy for a million pounds. Let, let's see them sort of take the game to, to other teams. And, uh, you know, if they do, they're going to be dangerous, aren't they? Yeah. Jack Grealish into Man City, £100 million, pounds, uh, Paul. Aston was an Aston Villa's captain. Very good in the Euros for England. You know, for me, Jack Grealish is the nearest thing we've got to to a Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne was the most gifted English sort of midfield attacker that, that we've had in, in a generation. Does Jack Grealish stack up? Does he have that in him to take Man City to that next level? I think he's a very talented player, Rob. Uh, and now he's got the stage to, to prove it, hasn't he? Um, I'm not saying that he didn't ask them Villa but you've come to Manchester City now one of the biggest clubs in the country he's got that sort of map in front of him now and if he wants to take on that mantle and be compared to a player like Paul Gascoigne he's got the perfect opportunity now this season to uh, to showcase it hasn't he and uh, you know that it comes with a an expectation, does it, when you, you sort of sign a player for £100 million, a record transfer fee, there's a bit of a weight round his neck now. He's, you know, any mistake he makes, people are going to jump all over it, aren't they? Um, so he's got to make sure he's switched on and, and he performs to the best of his ability every week. And I'm sure he will do. He's got the talent there and he's got the support as well. He's got a good squad around him. He's got a good coaching set there. Pep Guardiola will guard it, uh, guide him as well. So uh, I'm expecting him to have a really good season for City. Yeah, £100 million, Paul, for one player... As as the football market gone mad, that's the big question for me. Yeah, Jack Cleese is, is a good player, but he's never worth £100 million. Football, 
there's a pandemic going on. There's no one told football. I know. I know the clubs were talking about you know how much they were struggling because there was no fans uh, in the grounds. But the fans are coming back in now. So to spend one hundred million pounds on one player just block comes and goes against everything that you know that the football clubs have, have tried to talk about in the last few months uh, months about struggling. We remember the, the days of Trevor Francis being the first million pound player. And I'm sure if you were you were back then, you were looking forward. You'd never in a million years think that one player would be worth one mil, one hundred million pounds. But here we are. Yeah, he's got a lot to live up to, hasn't he? And as I said before, and I know you mentioned about the pandemic there, but you know how much is a footballer worth? I mean, someone's only as worth as much as someone will pay for them, won't they? And yeah. these teams have got that that money, haven't they? So. I suppose you can't you can't deny them if they've got the money they can they can spend it can't they but for a side like Manchester City Manchester United these are like powerhouse clubs now who are powerhouses in in sort of Europe and you know globally really you know Manchester City's stock has risen I know we've always spoke about Manchester United being you know loved around the world you know you go all over the world and you'll see someone in a Manchester United shirt and I think that that's that's for Manchester City now they've got that pulling power now so even though there's not been any matches and there's not been people going through the turnstiles they probably still made an awful lot of money from shirt sales and merchandise and sponsorship and, and all that sort of thing haven't they as well player sponsorships and, and club sponsorships so there's still an awful lot of money they've got people with, with obscene amounts of money backing them as well so that that's why you get the, these transfers I think the pandemic's probably hit sides like well, I was going to say Solver but they've got a bit of money behind probably, probably sides like Rochdale Oldham Athletic those Stockport County those sort of teams have been hit by the pandemic mm. because they've not got that that sort of money they're there they're the sort of side you feel sorry for aren't they so um, so yeah it does seem an awful lot of money when we've, we've had all this going on but but no if, if they've got that money I mean there's no sort of salary cap in, in, in footballers if they've got the money they're going to if they don't spend it somebody else will you're right, you're right, Paul. And, and, I, and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, where does it go from here? £100 million for one player, 20 years down the line. Where where, where do you think we're going to be? Are we going to be talking about £500 million player? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, as you know, I'm not a, a, a massive football sport anymore. I, I was and I, I fell out of love with the game, really, with all, with all the money that's come into it. I don't think it's quite the same anymore. And my sport's rugby league and... You're thinking about about Salford and in particular and the and the, the, the stuff we've got going on at the stadium and the rent that we, we'd have to pay to stay in the stadium. You're thinking that's just peanuts compared to what these football yeah. clubs are, are paying for players. That's more just a week's wages and for our years worth of rent. So it's it's like telephone numbers in it. Football, it's it, it's mad. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, you said about twenty years there. I don't know about twenty years. Maybe one, two, five years down the line, what they're going to be spending. Yeah. So it is it is crazy. But that's how sport is. You know, other sports are getting like that now, aren't they? And um, things just seems to move. I mean, life just seems to move at a fast pace now, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, you, you struggle to keep up sometimes, don't you? But if these clubs have got the money, what can you do about it? Unless they were to bring in some sort... I know there is like financial fair play and things like that, isn't there? But there's no sort of salary cap as such. So um, if you don't spend it, Chelsea, Manchester United or Barcelona or whoever will come in and spend that money and take that player from under your nose, won't they? Yeah, with obviously Jack Grealish going to... Man City for £100 million. Where does that leave Tottenham's Harry Kane? England's captain. Uh, we're looking for a move to Man City, but with Grealish now the £100 million man, do you think City have another £100 million plus to, to go and sign Harry Kane? Do I think they've got the money? I think they've got the money, Rob. 
I don't, I don't think money's a real object to Manchester City, is it? And the people that, that own the club and you know um, the, the riches that they've got, I don't think that's a, an, a, an object, really, is it? I think if they wanted someone, they'd, they'd go out and get them. Uh, it's whether Tottenham are, are going to sell Harry Kane, I suppose, isn't, or whether they can afford to, to sort of say, no, we're not selling him. It's, it's probably difficult when you're, you're running a football club and someone comes in offering you your mega money. It's whether you can afford to say no to it. I mean, if you can afford to say no and, and keep your star man, then all well and good. But sometimes clubs haven't got as much money as other clubs and, and the, the deal is too... It's too good to turn down, isn't it? You know, especially if someone's contract's running low and you let him stay there and you lose him for nothing the year after. So it depends how Tottenham are going to play this. Now, it's like a game of poker sometimes, football, mm. isn't it? And, and the transfers and things like that. So we'll have to watch this space. But if City come in now and bid 120 million for him, there's going to be some serious expectations at the Etihad, isn't there? There is. They face Tottenham on, on Sunday, uh, Paul. I'm, I'm going to put a marker down here and say Harry Kane won't play um, because obviously. I think he's only been back a week from training, so you know pre-season, so he probably won't be fit. But it would have been interesting the reaction to both the Man City fans and the Tottenham fans if he had turned up on the field. How both sets react to him? Yeah, it certainly would annoy Manchester City. Lucky they gone and scored a goal for the winning goal for Tottenham, wouldn't it? So probably best he doesn't play in that game. But no, a tough start to the season for, for Manchester City as well. We've just been talking about United start against Leeds. No, Tottenham over the years have been a bit of a bogey side for Manchester City, haven't they? So, um, so this this could be another tough test for them as well. And we tend to see some, you know, some strange scores sometimes on the opening day, don't you? And um, you know, some un- unexpected scores as well. But I'm just thinking Manchester City with the defeat against Leicester, that might have been the wake up call and the kick up the backside they needed to to come out and really perform in this game on the, at the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Premier League back in action uh, this weekend, Paul. Uh, you know, looking at the, the you know the league and the people who will be competing: the top Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea. You know, there's a lot of talk about it being a, a two horse race over the years in the Premier League. Whether it was Man United and Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool. But now you've got six teams there who, who can uh, and on their day beat anybody. So I really think it's going to be a fantastic season. Been really interesting to see what happens. Obviously, you're hoping Man United can come out on top and Man City can be there and thereabouts as well. Well, but you know it's anybody's really. Who are we hoping comes out on top, Manchester United? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be different. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mind to be honest, Rob. I think it's great to see the, the northwest sides doing well. I think in all, in all the leagues, you know, we want all our local sides to do well, don't we? But you know, it's an old cliche sometimes, and, it, and it's it's one I, I stick by. Really, it's all about consistency. Hmm. I think if you can be consistent, like you said before, win your own games and. You know, pick up points away from home and, and be consistent. You've got to rotate that squad as well. You know, this this game's going to come thick and fast. Champions League as well for for uh, the, the top sides and the cup, the domestic cup competitions as well. You know, it's difficult. It's you're playing sort of Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, or whatever, aren't you? Some weeks, and it's about how you keep that. If you can sort of be up there, sort of Christmas time, Manchester United or whoever, you, you've got you've got a chance, haven't you? But if I was to predict it now, I'd probably say Manchester City are going to be the favourites. But you can't deny teams like Chelsea. I mean, look how good Chelsea were like towards the back end of last season. They seemed to really gel, didn't they? And, you know, I think if the season would have started or, or, 
or been halfway through then at the end of the last season, they, they would have been really up there because he seemed to come on with a real wet sail. So I think they're going to be good again. You've got Liverpool who spend a bit of money, Arsenal. I'm not sure about Arsenal, but I think Manchester United are going to be there or thereabouts in the in the top sort of two or three as well. So it's going to be intriguing, and that's what you want. You, you don't want it to be just a two-horse race. You, the more teams involved, the better. I mean, look at Leicester. Could they be dark horses again? You know, Brendan Rodgers done a tremendous job there at Leicester City, and uh, they're one of the most exciting sides to watch in the league. So could could they be up there? Promises to be a great season. Yeah, final bit of football. Two big transfer uh, stories of of the week. Uh, Romelu Lukaku uh, coming back to twelve, coming back to Chelsea, ninety seven million pounds. I think that's madness, really, because at Man United he, he was he was bang average for me. So I'm not sure how he's how he's worth anywhere near ninety seven million quid. But the also the other big news is uh, Lionel Messi leaves Barcelona. Uh, Six hundred and seventy two goals in seventy seven hundred and seventy eight games. Thirty four trophies he won uh, with Barcelona. Paul, a uh, lot of tears in the press conference. How sad he was uh, to be leaving Barcelona, blaming uh, the Spanish financial fair play rule that they brought in this season and. and basically saying that Barcelona can't afford to, to, to keep him. Um, he's going to be a loss for Barcelona, but uh, what do you think? He's, he's, he's touted to go to Paris Saint-Germain. That's the rumour. Um, but for me, he's got to have a shot at the Premier League, surely. Yeah, it'd be great if he did. I think for Barcelona to say they couldn't afford to keep him, if you've got a player like Lionel Messi and you want to keep him, you'd find a way to yeah. keep him, wouldn't you? You'd, uh, you'd work your way around that, wouldn't you? So perhaps they, they sort of think he's coming towards the end of his career now and they've cut the cut the cloth and, and, and decide to get rid of him. I don't know. They see him in training every week. Perhaps they see him like flaws, you know, I'm not too sure. But it'd be great to see him in the in the premiership, wouldn't you? you know, tremendous player. I'm not sure how old he is now, about 35, 36. So yeah. He's probably got a couple of years left in him. He's very, very talented. And it would be amazing to see him in the Premiership. Really would. So the fixtures for, for the Premier League first games of the season. Um, Brentford are at home to Arsenal. Their first game in the Premier League. And then on the Saturday, Man United are at home to Leeds. Burnley are at home to Brighton. Chelsea start their campaign at home to Crystal Palace. Everton at home to Southampton. Leicester City face Wolves at home. Watford faced Jack Grealish less Aston Villa. And uh, Norwich are at home to Liverpool. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. There's two games on the Sunday as well. Newcastle are at home to West Ham. And Tottenham face Man City. Yeah, so that's all the, the football chat. We're going to move on to Rugby League now, Paul. And we'll start with Swinton Lions. They faced Oldham at home and drew 22 all. Fantastic day, uh, game uh, down at Haywood Road. Uh, and Swinton pick up a point. Yeah, well, it, they'd waited so long, hadn't they, to, to get a result. It was it was desperately sad to see Stuart Little in the club um, before last week's game. And, um, you know, we wish him all the best with his future. That was that was sad to see that. But sometimes a changing coach can change things around and they got a result last week, didn't they? An excellent result. And then this week, sounded a tremendous game against Oldham down at Awood Road. A last-minute try, I think, or two minutes from time. I mean, they, they missed the conversion as well. They could have, uh, if Martin Ridyard had kicked that goal, it'd have been, you know, two wins from two. But, yeah. you know, a good result for them against Oldham. Sounded a cracking game as well. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they've, um, you know, two games, that's going to give them a lot of confidence. We know they've got some good players to win. And I think it was just getting that monkey off the back, you know, getting that result. And, and now they've got that. 
Um, it does seem to have seen a, a new lease of life in them. So Oldham aside down there struggling as well. So um, I think it was it was great to get the result. They would have much rather wanted the two points though than just one point today. But uh, you know, a draw is better than a defeat, definitely. Yeah, they were twelve nil down at half time. Paul uh, D Meadows, Mike Butt, and Lewis Holton with two tries um, gave gave the draw for Swinton. Like you said, Stuart Littler left uh, last week, and they've they've bounced back with uh, two results uh, in the last two weeks. I'm sure they'll be looking for more in the next few weeks. Yeah, they certainly will. There's, there's quite a bit left to, to go in the season, and you don't forget there's, there's two sides go down in that league, so it's going to be tough for them to to stay up. You know, they've left it a bit late there, but uh, but no, good to see them doing well. You know, support particularly for the supporters. I think they've they've been through the mill this season, haven't they? And uh, you know, kept kept faith with their club and, and, and kept going to the matches. And it's always difficult when you're losing games. You know, to the 12, 13, 14 games on the spin, it's it's difficult. So they've had uh, party time really the last couple of weeks, getting a result last week and uh, and a draw this week. So uh, so yeah, we've got to wish them all the best now for the for the rest of the season. Hope we can pick up a few more wins. And and you never know, they could start you know knocking on the door of those sides just above the relegation zone and drag somebody else down into the mix. Yeah, uh, battle at home, uh, next game. Paul, what do you think of that? Is that going to be another close contest? Well, Batley are, are a side, aren't they? I mean, they, they pushed Featherstone Rovers um, all the way at the weekend. We know Featherstone are a good side in that championship. I mean, they lost to Toulouse last week. That was their first defeat. You know, Toulouse beat London 66-6 at the weekend. They look like they're just going to run away with it. I can't see them losing the game the way they're playing. But Batley Bulldogs ran Featherstone all the way at uh, Mount Pleasant. So, they're a decent home side, Batley. I don't think they're as good uh, away from home. But uh, that would be another tough test for Swinton. It really will be. As I said before, that league is so difficult. There's some massive clubs in that league. And, uh, you know, you've got to beat the teams around you. So, the likes of, uh, sort of Dewsbury are down there towards the, the lower end of the table. That... That's a, a big game for Swinton when they play them. That's a white haven as well. So there's there's some big games coming up for them. But uh, you know, battle is going to be another tough one. It will, and we'll be we'll talking all about it on the sports zone uh, next week. Let's talk about our other club, Salford Red Devils. They went down to defeat against Wigan Warriors. Lost sixteen six away from home. Talk us through it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's- it was a tough game for Salford, and you know the first. It was a game. It's just a cliche, and it, it was a game of two halves for me. Really, I thought the first half Salford were, were really in the arm wrestle. They, they really give it to Wigan, and there wasn't a lot of chances in the game at all. I can't really think of many sort of line breaks in the game. You know, Wigan got a try from uh, the youngster Halsall who scored early doors in the game and then Salford bounced back great try from uh, Joel Burgess his, his first try for the club Ivor Levet kicking a penalty goal in our time sending us in with a deserved lead I thought six points to four Jackson Aces in that second half he, he galvanised Wigan for me they moved him to, to scrum half started the game at full back and uh, Salford's discipline let him down though we conceded I think it was three penalty goals in sort of the first 20 minutes first 15 minutes of the, of the second half conceding six points there which edged Wigan in front give them the lead and they got a try 12 minutes from time from Sam Powell and just took the, to the game away from us at 16-6. So that second half, a lot of mistakes, you know, a lot of penalties given away. And and it was funny because at, at one time, I think we had four or five pivots on the pitch. We had was on, we had Chris Atkin on, you had Kevin Brown on, you had Tui Lola here on. Too many Chiefs for me at, at that time and, and not enough people running and, and doing the hard yard. So, so yeah, I'm not sure what went wrong in that, that second half, Rob, but um, you know, it, it cost us the game. And, and for me, I thought Wigan were there for the taking. It wasn't their best performance of the season, and I, I think we were disappointed to come away with a defeat. Looking, looking at the positives though, Paul, uh, leading six four at half time. Uh, Joel Burgess try. 
been out injured for a while, but come back with a great score. And I'm hoping for more of the same from him in the next uh, few weeks. We talked about our half-backs and, and Igano coming back in. Uh, coming in from his, his signing, I'm sure, with the return of Kevin Brown, uh, Richard Marshall will be looking to, to jiggle his pack about, jiggle his players about, and find that, find that right combo. Yeah, well, I think that's what it is. It's probably difficult for him at the moment to, to, to get that combination right. I mean, you've got sort of four half-backs there, and we're not too sure. I mean, you've got Declan Patton as well as five, so we're not too sure who who's going to play there. And um, I don't know, for me, Atta Higano... He didn't really seem to know his role at the, the weekend and, and know what he was doing there. So, I mean, it's, it's going to take time for him to, to gel. He's not played much at all. He's made his debut against Leeds and, and um, you know, that's his... You're off the bench again there. And the two sim villains in the game, again, I thought disrupted us. Um, we spoke about that recently with the discipline and things like that. But to be honest with you, to give Salford the benefit of the doubt and give the two players the benefit of the doubt, I thought the Simbinins were poor. I think Josh Johnson and, and Morgan Smith is a Wigan player with Simbin on the half an hour mark. And it was a bit of a set two at the play the ball. I don't really think Simbinin was. I could have just given him a talking to there. And I think the Atta Higano one, the, the tackle on on, uh, on Jackson Aces, I thought it wasn't malicious. He just sort of mistimed it and you know, perhaps a penalty there. I mean, if it's an eye tackle and a bad tackle, it should be a red card. So. I thought they were both quite unlucky with with the sim bidding. So, but again, I thought we conceded quite a few of those uh, six to goals, didn't we? And um, a few mistakes as well in that second half. Our completion rate was pretty poor, and and, and we we sort of give Wigan a leg up in the game, really. So, uh, but the defence was good at times. You know, Wigan had a lot of ball on our line. I think the effort was there, and the defence was pretty good, pretty solid, and. Uh, it's just frustrating. I think we've got a lot of potential in that Salford side. We've got some good players. You know, you look up and down the side. I thought Harvey Lavette had a really good game again. Made a lot of yards. You know, in the in the, in the back row, we got some talent in that side. It's just putting it all together in an eighty-minute performance, and I think that's probably one of the strongest sides we've had out for a while at the week. And obviously, we was missing Morgan Esgray and Kristen Inu, and amongst others, Greg Burke, one or two others. But um, that was probably the best side we've had out for a while. So disappointing result for us, but we've got a massive game coming up this weekend. Yeah, I spoke to Richard Marshall after the game, and this is what we had to say: defeat tonight against Wigan. Talk us through it. Yeah, I thought we started the game reasonably well. Um, we, uh, we 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 got on the front foot. I thought we, we nailed our game plan. We were pretty specific in what we wanted to achieve this week. Um, you know, we, we went in at the break and there was nothing between the two teams. We felt at half-time that if we just built a little bit more pressure and, and played in the right area and then lo and behold, we, we can't even get the first set out of the way. Um, yes. So we're just compounding our our uh, our errors at the moment, um, but our desire—I mean, probably really on the on the big scheme of things—we should have been a thirty-point ball game to Wigan, but we just kept defending our line and, and kept turning up for each other. So I'm really pleased off the back of that, which is probably makes it even a bit more frustrating, if I'm being honest. Yeah, first half was good, smart play, and with Joel Burgess on the wing with pace to burn, we were good. We were good value for that first half lead. Yeah, we were, and it was a nice try, something that we'd spoke about in a week, and we, t- we, we took a real job on that. Danny Ors, you know, looked at the attack and come up with a real good play there, smart. And um, and I thought, yeah, we utilised our strengths this week on that left side, um, but we didn't utilise our, um, our our discipline. Um, you know, that the 10-minute period probably just, just, just finished us off. Yeah, obviously, two sort of periods of 10 minutes down to 12 men. We talk about discipline a lot. Uh, but I think you're a bit hard done by this week. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. I thought there was a couple of calls there within that. Um, I, I'd agree with that. I don't. 
you know, there's Ed's, there's Ed's in on the floor and, and, and JJ's defending himself again and, uh, and gets Simbin. Uh, there's no excuse for, for Atta's. It was probably a poor-timed, ill-judged ill tackle. Um, but the six agains on last plays, you know, they hurt you anyway. Uh, I think we're going to be a bit smarter in and around the rook on that. Yeah, obviously. What, what's your plan for, for trying to get the discipline right? Well, we have to, have to get fitter uh, because we've got we have to do more work defensively. Um, or yeah, we, we've got to work on our tackle technique. We've got to understand that the implications of of, of giving away penalties. Uh, we've mentioned that multiple times this year, um, but at the same time, yeah, I think there were some really good signs within the game. Now, our attitude on the whole, I thought, was really good. And you know, we were focusing on one area here, but. You know, 90% of the game, I thought we went totally, totally one of the, you know, a really good, decent team in the competition, definitely. Yeah, Elijah Taylor and Dan Sargent returned, both played very well. Yeah, yeah, we've had a couple of lads who've, who've returned from, from COVID or injuries. Um, yeah, you could tell they were out on the feet. A couple of them boys were out on the feet. They've not done, you've got to bear in mind, we've not been in for 10 days. We've not, we had two sessions towards this game to get us ready. Obviously, we're going to have had a handful of games and, and, and you know, and a, a fielding a pretty different team to what we fielded against Lee as well. Uh, we've not got them riches. You know, we just, we, we just got a, a small squad um, and we've got to get the best out of the group. Yeah, talking about the best, getting best out of the group, Ellis uh, Roberts come in, you know, with his stint was very impressive. Yeah, Ellis is a, he's a lovely young man and he's a Salford lad, Salfordian, and loves it, loves the club. Uh, we had a we had a couple of messages from his family and well wishes, and I thought he did a real good job. But again, he got a bit tired, and you know, it's it's a different level, isn't it? The Super League and, and playing against Wigan, but yeah, he did a real good job for us, and, and he's and he's got a bright future within the game. Let's hope you know it, you know we we can get a, the best out of him over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Huddersfield next up for Salford, opportunity to play in front of the home fans, uh, and hopefully get a win. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned that. Uh, it'd be a big game again, big week for for the club for us. Um, yeah, we've yeah we, we had a good game against Huddersfield, albeit again <laughs> we added twelve players, but we managed to come through that game. Uh, let's get thirteen this week and see how and see how we can go. So Richard Marshall, uh, Paul, talking about the defeat, uh, he talked about how heroic the defence was, and I think he's got a point there. I think. Uh, you know, lots of last-ditch tackling, and he talked about how he's worked on that in the pre-season, and I think he's, he's showing the fruits of his labours now with that solid performance in defence. The problem for me is the attack, like you said, we looked, we didn't look very sharp, and when Wigan got in front, there was only going to be one winner, which can, which will be a problem and a worry, I think, for Richard Marshall going forward. Oh, it's been a worry all season. I think it's been the story of the season. I mean, if you take the Castleford game out, you know, we scored 70 points away from him. If you take that out of the equation... I've not worked it out, but I, I would say our average points per game is probably about 16, 14, 16, something like that. And it's not enough to win a game. To win a Super League match, you, you're looking at 20 points at least. And we've scored 20 points in the weekend, we'd have won. So, and there's been a lot of games like that this season. So, to score one try, it's poor. And we didn't really create that much in the game, you know, considering how many pivots we had on the pitch. So, um, we had players on there who can create, but for, for one reason or another, we didn't. For me, I don't think we're direct enough. I didn't think we were direct enough against Leeds. I think we go a lot of lateral. We, we tend to go sideways quite a bit, whereas simple game rugby league sometimes, just run the ball in hard and straight and then play off the back of that. So I think, yeah, perhaps just get back to basics this week against Huddersfield. And the frustrating thing is, though, there's potentials there. You know, I look right down the side, there's some good good, good players in that team. You know, Dan Sargent and Joel Burgess linked up together in the centre and wing partnership. And that could be one of the best partnerships in the league, that. 
And I think Matty Costello, the talented player as well, Reese Williams, who's, who's just signed a new contract with the club, which is great to see. So we've got some good players in that side. It's just it's just about unlocking that potential now and, and, and getting things right. Yep, uh, Huddersfield this week, return of ex-coach Ian Watson. Uh, Dolpha fans will be in the stadium at the AJ Bell Stadium. It's going to be a cracking game of rugby league. He certainly is, yeah. Huddersfield are coming off the back of a result as well at the weekend against Wakefield. I think they were 18 nil down or 6 nil down in that game after, you know, 15 minutes of it or so and they've come back and, and got a result. So they've had a real resurgence there and it's been great to see a young player, Will Price, um, Leon Price's son. He's been playing really well for a real young kid and he's, he's really talented. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of emotion as well with Ian Watson coming back, particularly with the supporters. Uh, and I think many supporters were, were disappointed, weren't they, in the way that Ian Watson left the club. But I think, he, for me, he should always remember for the great occasions he brought to the club and the sense of pride that you know everyone associated with South Red Devils felt over the, over the years he was there. So, um, obviously, there'll be people disappointed the way he's gone. And you probably have a few people chanting silly things at weekend, probably like they do. But it all adds to the spice of the game, Rob. And that's what rugby league's all about. Players, coaches move on, don't they? And that's how sport works. And... I'm not naive though. I know how people understand and how they feel. And but I know how Watson feels. He'll want to come and, and prove a point. He's he's doing a, a job there at Huddersfield and he, he's sort of turning things round now. But I think given time and a bit of patience, I'm convinced that both Ian Watson and Richard Barshall can succeed at the respective clubs because they're both good young coaches. And uh, you know I think they'll both they'll both do well given the, the time and the resources. Yeah, with 30 seconds to go, Paul, final bit of news. Rugby League World Cup postponed for 2022 as Australia and New Zealand pull out. Uh, what do you think? Good idea to postpone it or should have cancelled it altogether? I don't know. I think perhaps they should have gone ahead with it, really. An awful lot of people put an awful lot of time and effort into that. And I just feel sorry for all the organisers and the teams and the particular players who wanted to come. So it's done now. We can't change it. So let's hope it's an even bigger competition next year and the players that we're going to play this year get that sort of moment of glory playing the World Cup. Yeah. Big thanks for tuning in to this week's Sports Zone. I'm Rob Parkson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. So, good luck to all our sporting sides this week. Man United, Man City, Swinton Lions, Salford Red Devils and Salford City FC all competing. And we'll be talking about it all next week on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio.